Take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. John, when he seen those signs out there a while ago, he said, you know, he said, I could put walls in my yard. And he said something, I don't remember exactly his exact words, he said, but he said, if I do, I better straighten up or better, better behave, hadn't I? And I said, well, that, if that would work, I'll put it in everybody's yard, amen. And uh, uh, so that's, that's good, amen. I tell you what, the world needs to see the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we need, we need the Word of God preached. A little bit of the problem that we got today, we've got all kinds of psychology and everything else that's taught, and uh, man's ways are taught. We need the Word of God. Exodus chapter 33. Would you please stand for uh, the reading of God's Word if you're able to this evening. Exodus chapter 33. We'll begin reading in verse 12 and read down through verse 23. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people." And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If, thou pre if, if, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that, thy, that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, and I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know, know thee uh, by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, that thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Look with me in verse 13, be our text this evening. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in, the, in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, How Bad Do You Want It? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We ask, Lord, that you'd meet with us. We need your presence. We don't need man's ways. We need God's ways. And Lord, we need a touch from heaven tonight. Holy Spirit, take control of our thoughts, our minds, our hearts. And may you guide and direct, Lord, in this service. And Lord, challenge each and every Christian here. Lord, for be someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. Lord, I pray just as the young lady got saved this morning that they'd come and let us see them get saved tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and magnified in all that's said and done. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, when a lot of sports teams head into a competition, they're often asked... How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? 
How bad do you want to win this game? How bad do you want to win this Super Bowl or whatever it is that, that is out there? It's often said that to a lot of sports teams. And I remember when we had Christian school down in southeast Missouri and coaching uh, basketball, sometimes we would come up against a, a very difficult team, and I knew that they were better than us. And I'd just ask them, how bad do you want to win? And uh, I would try to encourage them, hey, listen, if you want it bad enough and you'll play your best, that you, there's a good chance you can win. And many times we, this question, it's not about skill, it's about preparation or preparation or about strategy, but rather it's a question about passion and a need and even a craving for something. When you ask somebody how bad they want it, the question can be defined many times uh, uh, what will happen in the competition or even a job or a relationship or a marriage. And you know, a lot of times people have trouble in relationships or marriages and it really boils down to how bad you want to keep the thing together. What do you want to do with it? But it goes farther than that and as, we're told, as we want to look at it, it comes down to when it comes down to knowing God, this question uh, defines absolutely everything in your life. How bad do you want to know Him? How bad do you want to walk with him? How bad do you want to be in his presence? How bad do you want these things in your life? Can I say that, sadly to say, that many Christians today are not really thriving and, and stirred and hungry for the Lord and wanting to walk with him. They're not really, they're not wanting it bad enough. Our problem is we see that all around us. It's easy to hit and miss church. It's easy to hit and miss reading your Bible. Easy to hit and miss praying. Easy to hit and miss doing the things of God or witnessing or whatever it might be. Only if it's convenient. And all I'll tell you what the problem is is that we don't want it bad enough. Far too many are satisfied where they are spiritually. The lost are not caring and they're not interested in where they'll spend eternity. And sadly to say, you know, we, we look around us and we find that many times and it's getting harder and harder. You know, the missionary that was here Wednesday night, uh, uh, Brother, Brother White, as uh, he talked about there in Costa Rica, how that up to about that age of 40, they just don't, they don't have any religion. They're not interested in anything. They're just pushing it away. And the fact is we're seeing that even in America today and people are not... They're satisfied where they're at and they're, uh, spiritually. And Matthew 13, 15 says, For this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and, and I should heal them. Can I tell you something? Just what, uh, even what uh, uh, Brother James over here is doing. Hey, listen, we got to get the gospel out to them to stir the heart so that they might desire to be saved. But sad enough, even as Christians are satisfied with simply being churchgoers on their way to heaven and never really experiencing the Lord, they don't know Him as He wants them to know Him. We're very familiar with there in Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodiceans. And the Lord said to them, He said, listen, He said, I would that that were hot or cold. But because thou art, art, art hot and cold, He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He goes on and he talks about the fact that they were lukewarm and, and neither cold or hot. And because that, he said, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But he goes on and says, knowest not that thou art miserable and wretched, or wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And yet today that's where we find many Christians because they're not interested. They don't want it bad enough. 
You know, there used to be a day and time, and I, I'm old enough to remember this, and, and some of you are too. Boy, we would fill the altars. I'm talking about Christians. Crying over lost friends, over lost families. Caring about our co-workers. Even as I was a youth pastor for 17 years, our teenagers, man, they would hit an altar, and man, they would be, you could hear them weeping for their friends and the lost teenagers in town. We don't see that anymore. You know why? Because we don't want it bad enough. We don't want it bad enough. Oh, yeah, we say we want them to get saved. But we don't want it bad enough to go the extra, to see God do something great in their lives, to see God save their soul. We're not willing to go all the way. We don't want it bad enough. So many times we fail to realize that God's wanting to do something, but we're not wanting to do it. Knowing God comes down through, comes through effort and pursuit and desire. Not merely flipping open a Bible and looking for a verse a day to keep the devil away. It's more than that. Much more than that. One of the reasons that you need to be intentional in your pursuit for God is that there's a lot of opposition towards you to keep you from growing closer to Him. And so it takes a lot more effort. The more that we face the oppositions of this world, the more effort it's going to take. It's like, a <clears throat> Hunter, come up here. It's, it's like this. Uh, if, if uh, well, you stand here. Come here, this Levi. If, if he is my opposition, and I'm going that way, you can hold, hold me back, okay? All right, hold me back. Okay, there's some opposition. But if I've got more opposition... Come on back up here. <laughs> Have mercy on an old man, would you? <clears throat> There's more opposition. Sooner what I got to want, I've got to want it more to live for God. Because I'm facing more opposition than I ever have before. Right, right. And yet today we don't want it bad enough. Come back up here. He <laughs> 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 didn't, didn't take any steroids before. That. You'll find out in a minute. <laughs> so here's the opposition in front of me. I've got to want it bad enough to do whatever I can to get by them. <laughs> Wimps. <laughs> it's fun doing that, but there's a reality to it. The reality is, if we want to bad enough, we'll find a way to get close to God. As the opposition gets tougher, we must desire in a greater way to get closer to Him. You see, there's a number of things that get in our way. One of them is, you know, it's not necessarily that they're all wrong. 
We want to first of all say, well, yeah, it's this and this, this, those are sins. No, it can be good things that can get in our way. When we fill our lives with things of this world that are not a priority, they can get in a way of us following the Lord. It takes away your appetite when all you have is filling your life with the things of this world. And so we've got to change our, we become satisfied then. We become satisfied with the little things, a sip or a snack of the Lord on Sunday. And, and boy, I'm ready for the week. My friend, you're not ready for the week. It takes so much more, a daily walk with the Lord. But you've got to want to have that. You've got to want to, to come before that opposition and get close to God and, and have God's hand in your life. Amen. The Lord saved us. That we might not just go to heaven one day, but that we might know him personally here, right now, right now. John 17, 3 says, and this is life, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He said that we might know him. When? Now. It's not to wait until we get to heaven one day, but to know him now in a greater way. So the real question for each of us is here today is, how bad do you want to know him? Ask yourself that. I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but could you ask yourself, how bad do I want to know the Lord? You say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I'm talking about beyond that. How bad do you want to know the Lord? If we would be honest with ourselves, there's some work that needs to be done there. Moses had a true hunger for the Lord. Moses already knew the Lord, but he wanted to know him in a greater way. Look with me here. Look at these three verses. Verse 13 says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Drop down to verse 15. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carries not up hence. Look at verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. He was hungry to know the Lord. There was the words of a hungry man. Moses was a man that was famished for God. True hunger demands a response. True hunger will force you to rearrange your priorities. You know, you can be hungry and drive right on by a fast food place. You can be real hungry and say, nah, I really don't want to eat at that place and move on. But if you're super hungry, you'll just about stop at any of them and eat. Why? Because you're rearranging your priorities for your hunger. In your life, in my life, if we really want to know the Lord, I mean, if we're really hungry to know Him, we will rearrange our priorities to get to Him, Amen. to know Him. Amen. It all boils down to your priorities and my priorities in our life. Everybody's priorities might be a little bit different. But there should be a priority that is the same, and that is, is that we hunger for the Lord in a great way. Moses was a man that was famished. He wanted to know the Lord. When you're hungry for someone, you'll want to be near them. I drove 180 miles dating my wife. 
Was it worth it, preacher? It was for me. It wasn't for her, but it was for me. Amen. <laughs> so how did it work out? She's here. Amen. There was a priority I made to go the extra mile. I was driving a four-wheel drive, shorty, half-ton Chivalrado, Chevrolet, 1970, chrome push bar. Oh, you don't want to know about that. Oh, anyway, <laughs> and drove 180 miles to date her. I got 14 miles to the gallon when I had the wind behind me. But it was worth it. Amen. And there was a priority there. Why? Because I wanted to be near her. I wanted to be her to be near me. I wanted to know her in a greater way. This man that saw the Lord, talking about uh, Moses here, in a, in a burning bush, seen, uh, seen and was used to bring about the events against Pharaoh. At God's command, held out his rod over the Red Sea and, and opened it up that this man had already knew God quite well, but he wanted more. He had seen everything before, but now he says, I want more. I want more. He desired more of the Lord. Moses had spent so much time with God, he realized that he was no good without him. So he said, I want more of God. I want to know him more. The psalmist said it this way. In Psalms 42, 1 and 2, he says, The heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Paul put it this way in Philippians 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all Things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for, for whom I have suffered the, the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You drop down to verse 10, he says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. He said, I want to know him. Moses, the psalmist, Paul. They hungered to know the Lord fully, even if it was uh, uh, brought about by the struggles in their lives. Can I tell you, sometimes it is the struggles in our lives that brings us closer to the Lord. Because it humbles us and causes us to look up and to, to turn to the Lord for that help, for that hand, to know Him. Sometimes the struggles are a blessing, to be honest with you. Job, who was a godly man said after his afflictions, Job chapter 42, verse 5 and 6, he said, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. He said, I've heard about you. But now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He said, now I know you in a greater way. He said, it humbles me, Brother James. He said, it humbles me when I, when I realize who you are. But can I tell you, you cannot know him until you, uh, you cannot be humbled like that until you know him. You cannot say that until you get into his presence and know him and walk with him. Sometimes God lets us hit rock bottom so that we'll discover he's the rock at the bottom. Oh, sometimes that's a good thing. Moses wanted to know God's ways also. 
Look at verse 13. says, Now therefore I pray thee, I have found grace in thy sight. Show me now thy ways that I may know thee. He said, show me your ways. He said, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know more about you. When I was dating Janine, I wanted to know her ways. I said, well, I don't quite understand it. Well, how she responds to this, what she does about this, how she acts in this situation, how she acts in that situation, how she treated her mom and dad. Young people, listen to me for a second. I'm going to sidetrack here a second. You better know how that boy or that girl that you're looking at with <laughs> batting eyes, you better know how they treat their mom and dad. Make sure you know how they treat their mom and dad. Why? Because that's how they will treat you. Didn't cost you a dime. Just thought I'd throw it in. Moses said, I want to know your ways. You can't really know a person until you know their ways. And so Moses said, I want to know your ways. I want to know you, so I want to know your ways. Notice, uh, to know his, God's ways is to know God. He says, show me uh, now thy ways, that, that I may know thee. To know God's ways is to be synced up with what he's doing, to be aligned with his will and with his rule. You're aligned with him. You're not off over in this field and he's off over here. No, you're aligned with him to know his ways. As we often say, to the, to, uh, it's being on the same page. Lord, I want to be on the same page with you. You can't truly know someone if you don't even know what they're up to. You can't know their ways. You can't know them. The Bible says that he showed Moses his ways and the ways of God. The psalmist said in Psalms 103 and in verse 7, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. So Moses got what he wanted. He said, I want to know your ways. In the, over in the psalmist, the psalmist says, he showed Moses his ways. Don't you think that he would show Moses his ways because he requested that he would show you and me his ways if we would desire that, if we would go after it? Yes. I believe so. Yes. To know God is to know his ways. There are a lot of professed Christians who say they know God. Let me, let me emphasize that they say they know God. They may know him in salvation, but to know him goes far beyond salvation. Amen. They say they know him, but the way that they are living shows that they don't know his ways. It's like this. If you come to my house and live in my house, you got to live by my rules. you got to live by my ways. And whether, the, whether that's good or bad to you, that doesn't really matter. What it is, is that's my ways. Yeah. And the Lord says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to follow my ways. Otherwise, you're going an opposite or a different direction. You're not following the Lord like you say that you are. And you don't really know him if you're not following his ways. How can you? You're going a, a different direction. There's only one way of salvation, by the way. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way. There is a way of salvation. He said, that is the only way. 
And if you're going a different way for salvation, my friend, can I tell you something? You'll never get there. Then there's a way the Christian, the Christian life that we're to live for him. He tells us in Luke 9.23, said, uh, said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Otherwise, deny his way. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Following what? Following his way. And so Moses wanted to see that. It's not going back to the old way of living the life, of living the way that we did before we received Christ our Savior. The Bible tells us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's a new way. It's a new life. Christian, if you're sitting here tonight and you're still trying to live like you used to, my friend, you're going the wrong way. He saved you from that sin. He doesn't want you to go back to that old way. He wants you to live the new way, the way that he's going. When Jesus Christ is our Savior, we have a lot of, or we have a new way to live, a new way to walk, and not our old way, but his way. We find in Colossians 1, 10 and 11, he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Notice that walk, how? Walk worthy in his way. Of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There again, knowing Him because you're, you're walking after Him. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power and unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And it goes on and lists several other things. But we're to walk in that way that is pleasing unto Him, which is His way, not our way. Most said, I want to walk, I want to know your way. Our lives, our thinking, our ways need to merge into the ways of God. You go out here on the highway and you come off of a, you come off of a road and you got a down ramp onto Highway 70 out there and you come down here and, and there's traffic on the other side going, going east and you merge off on the very first one, you're going west. Can I tell you something? You're not going to the same place. You're not going the same direction as those that's on the other lane over there. You're merging into a different traffic. Too many Christians are merging back into the world. He says, no, cut across that thing, hit the other side, and merge in with me and go my way. Too many Christians are trying to merge back into the world after they receive Christ as their Savior. And I can tell you this, you're going to go the wrong direction. You're not going the way of God. Moses said, I want to know your way. Then Moses requested to experience God's presence. There in verse 15 said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up. He said, I want your presence here. I want you to be there. I want to be in your presence otherwise. That's what he's really saying. He said, I want to be in your presence. I want to experience your presence. You know, there's a lot of Christians today, they know about God. They've received Christ as Savior, but they've never really experienced much of the presence of God. You say, well, preacher, how can that be if they're saved? Oh, that's very simple. You can be with somebody and not really experience their presence. Come here, Levi, this Levi, this time. We can be together. And I don't have to pay attention to him. We're around one another, but I don't have to talk to him. I don't have to look at him. I don't have to think about him. But we're together. But we're not, I'm not experiencing His presence. How do I experience His presence? Interaction. 
Yeah. Talking. Fellowshipping. Doing things together. Maybe sitting down to eat together. Maybe going someplace and watch a ball game or go someplace go fishing. We experience, I, I can experience his presence when I interact with him. But too many Christians today are doing this. Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's there. But we're not experiencing his presence because we're not interacting with him. If we want, thank you, Levi. If we want to experience his presence, my friend, we've got to know him. And the only way we can know him is to interact with him continually on a daily basis. And allow him to, to direct our lives and to guide us. Get into his word and, and see what he says. Find his ways in the word. Get on your knees and, and, and talk with him and, and fellowship with him. And, and get some good old gospel songs in your heart that lift him up and praise and worship him. Amen. Look and listen for his voice. Moses wasn't satisfied with the program. He wasn't content with the public approval. He wanted one thing only and that was the presence of the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will test us. Listen to this now. Sometimes the Lord will test us to see whether we want the blessing more than the blesser. Think about that for a second. Sometimes we want the blessings of God more than we want the blesser. As soon as we get the blessings, we forget about the blesser, the one doing the blessing. songwriter wrote that song I need thee every hour the lady that wrote this she wrote this many years ago and, and she didn't realize what she was writing in one way within about I, I forget now what it was it seemed like it was about 5 or 10 years from there this song became a strength to her when her husband passed away says I need thee every hour most gracious Lord no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is in vain. I need thee every hour, teach me thy will, and thy richest promises in me fulfill. I need thee every hour, most holy one, oh, make, thine in, make me thine indeed, thou son, blessed son. We need him. We need his presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. We need Him. It should be our desire and goal to experience the Lord, not just hear about what others are experiencing in Him. You know, it's good to hear testimonies of how God's working and blessing in your life. But it cannot compare to experiencing Him yourself. We need that. Moses made another request to see God's glory. Verse 18, he said, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Glory is the visible display of the invisible God. When we see the hand of the Lord as he shows himself in a divine way. It's not talking about necessarily 
seeing him face to face, but it's talking about seeing his hand in a divine way, working and moving in a powerful way in our lives. He wanted to see the glory of God. Far too often when we come to church, we're satisfied with a sermon and a song. Just get me in, get me out, preacher. Hey, preacher. Get me in, get me out. There's a ball game on. I got something on the stove that's going to burn, preacher, if you go in overtime. Yeah, but you'll pay all kinds of money to go to a ball game, and you're hoping it's going into overtime. I've never heard anybody when it went into overtime. Hey, can you get us out of here? I got a pot roast on, man. No. You say, preacher, has anybody ever done that to you? My deacons. Namely, Thomas. I won't call any names, but anyway. <laughs> See, why are you saying it? Because he's out in the foyer doing his job out there. You know, right? The fact is, is that we need to see his glory. The Lord designed us for much more than as to see the glory, his moving, how wonderful he is, how magnificent he is. When's the last time you was in awe of God? Just sit down there and say, Lord, you amaze me. Wow. Only God can do that. Man, look how, Lord, I didn't even, didn't even realize you, you cared about that that way. Lord, you did such a wonderful. When's the last time you was moved? By his glory. You will be when you open your eyes. And you know him. If you don't believe me, just walk outside on some of these evenings and look up there and see that sunset. I've been looking at a few of them and like, only God can paint a sunset. Only God can do that. I'll tell on my youngest daughter. Janine pointed out when she was a little girl, she pointed out the window. And I'll probably get this wrong. I'll find out about it when I get home. But just stay with me, okay? It's my illustration right now. She pointed out and she said, look at all those clouds and look at that beautiful sky and, and, and look at all that, that sun. Boy, it's beautiful out there. Only God can do that. Only God can make that. And Kristen goes, whew, but that wore him out. <laughs> can I tell you something? He delights. In showing his glory. He delights revealing himself to us if we will just allow him to. He delights in showing us how magnificent he is if we will just look through, through the spiritual eye. You see, he designed us for so much more. But the Lord, can I tell you, values himself much more than to be misused by his people. He's not going to reveal himself to those who don't really want to know him. Preacher, well, how come? How come? Do you really want to know him? How bad do you want it? Why should he reveal himself to you if you really don't care? Why should he show his magnificence 
if you're not even going to pay any attention to it. If you're not looking for it. Philippians 3, verse 12 says, Not as though, Paul's writing here, he says, Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Could I tell you what Paul's saying? I really want it bad. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to reach for it. Could I ask you just how bad you really want to know the Lord in your life? That's up to you. It's not up to this preacher. It's not up to the person next to you. But it's up to you to decide how bad you want to know him. If you want to, he'll reveal himself to you. You'll see his glory. You'll experience his presence. You'll know his ways if you want to bad enough. Our lives should be a pursuit of knowing the Lord in a greater way as a Christian. Let's bow. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, help us to know your ways. Help us to know you. Lord, let us be like Moses and desire to see your glory. To know your ways, to see and experience your presence. Lord, would you do something great? May we have a greater desire to know you. That might mean laying some priorities that we've got now aside and making new priorities. A priority to walk with you. To walk in your ways. To seek you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Have your own way, Lord. Or there may be somebody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. I pray they'd come during the invitation. Let's take a Bible and sh show them how they can know you. Because you are the way of eternal life. Have your own way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads back?